coming up on this episode of an older gay guy show. Part of the test was they showed you a picture of a guy and you had to point out all the possibilities that he might be gay. <laughs> I enjoyed that the most because like they had showed him in his underwear. And good day, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me. Here it is now, the day after Christmas of 2020, and we have less than a week to go. Ah, big sigh and relief. Just less than a week to go before we are out of this fucking nightmare of a year. And 2021, I'm sure, will bring better times for all of us. I'm going to be still doing two more episodes in this next week. I'm going to be putting out an episode about dick size next. And I'm going to finish the season on New Year's Eve with my <laughs> still unrecorded but still hopeful attempt at uh, doing my ASMR episode. I don't know if you can hear a difference in my sound today, but Santa Claus was very good to me, and he brought me a fantastic microphone. Well, actually, I kind of gifted it to myself and splurged and bought one of the highest-end microphones that exists. I am now the proud owner of a Shure SM7B, which is one of the best mics that are out there. It's what Joe Rogan uses on his podcast, and I expect as I play around with the sound, I will get better sounding in Season 6 coming up. And Santa brought me a really great gift, and my thanks to my wonderful husband for this. But he got me a Rodecaster Pro podcasting studio and this allows me to change all the different tones have some sounds that are pre-programmed have multiple people on the show at a time and i'm kind of getting used to all of this and the different sounds and all so i'm going to be kind of playing around with that in the next week planning on hitting january 2021 with all new beautiful podcasting equipment so i look forward to that and i am so happy my dogs love the fact that we had a big snowstorm just a week or so ago they were finally able to play in snow that literally my younger dog my little pocket american bully dog chumley would get lost in the snow as he jumped and sink into the snow. He would disappear. And my other beautiful dog, my, my part husky dog, Lola, she'd go and find him and yank him up out of the snow by his collar. So it's been a fun holiday week, and I look forward to this next coming week, hitting New Year's Eve, and then moving on to the next year. In today's episode, it's going to be part five of the five-part series with Sergeant Ron talking about his gay military experience. And I'll just mention once again for anyone that might be brand new to the show, I don't insert myself into this show while he's talking. I had sent him a series of questions and some parameters that I would like discussed. 
and he pre-recorded them and sent them to me, and I just edited them together as a show. So that's why you won't hear me in the middle of the show. But I will be back again at the end to tie things together. This episode is called Interview, Sergeant Ron, Gay Military Life, Part 5. I am Joey Hernandez. Thank you for joining me today. Well, my friends, Christmas is over, and Santa has already come down your chimney. So while you're scrubbing your fireplace after Santa made his mess of jizz, of course, your mind turns to fun thoughts and all the many possibilities that AdamMail.com provides with end of this fucking year celebration. Plan on starting the coming new year with the awesome variety of adult toys and sexual necessities that you can find at adammail.com. And as a listener of an older gay guy show, adammail.com is offering you a special deal. Get 50% off almost any one item, and that includes free shipping right to your door. Use the coupon code AOGGS, which stands for An Older Gay Guy Show. Use AOGGS at checkout for your special discount. And in full disclosure, AdamMail.com provides incentives to An Older Gay Guy Show for this advertisement. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado... Here is the conclusion of Sergeant Ron and his gay military life. One of the things that my um, British uh, co-workers pointed out to me is that about once a month they would get these flyers that were distributed to all the British installations throughout Europe and they would come about once a month, and they would have, like, general announcements or any concerns and that type of thing. But they also contain, interesting enough, all the court-martials that took place in Europe and everything. And they would list them by name and where the court-martial took place and the date, of course, and what the crime was. And it was kind of interesting because they pointed out to me, my British cohorts, that uh, whenever I saw, let's say, more than, let's say, one person, two or three people that were charged were in the same court-martial, and if it had the words crime against nature, that usually meant that one was buggering the other, and uh, for some reason, they took great delight in noticing how many were done. And they would go as far as circle all the ones that were crime against nature, you might say, that had one or more, indiv- I mean, two or more individuals and everything. And why they always made sure I knew about it and why they encouraged me to read it, I don't know. Who knows? But one of the thing- other things that I... I had a chance to visit Berlin when it was still a divided uh, city. And I was also was planning on a visit um, both East Berlin and a little piece of 
East Germany and all that. But because I held a top secret in NATO system, I had to go through a, uh, oh, you might say a security check. I had to be briefed and everything like this. And it just so happens that it was the British that were in charge of all security for the NATO system. So I had to sit down with a British officer and everything. And the other thing I had to do was take a, a security test. Now you had to get, it was about a hundred questions and you had to get a hundred percent correct and everything. And for the most part, usually Americans, it took them about two or three times because it's not that British uh, security and American security was all that different. It was just, of course, they used different kinds of words or they had a slightly different system and all this. And I was very lucky. I got it all correct um, the first time through. They said they never had a yank be able to do that. But what I found amusing about this test, and believe you me, I wish I could have had a copy of it, as I, I couldn't believe some of the questions and everything. I would say about 20% of the test, of the security tests, had to do with whether or not you were gay and you were in the British Armed Forces. They seemed really concerned, like, okay, I had taken a lot of security tests in the American military system, but, I mean, <laughs> you might get one or two questions about that, but in the British system, wow, they seemed overly anxious about that. And part of the test was they showed you a picture of a guy, and you had to point out all the possibilities that he might be gay. <laughs> I enjoyed that the most, because, like, they had showed him in his underwear, and he had um, gay magazines in the background and everything, and uh, this type of thing. And I had no problem finding all the answers to that and everything. But it was really amazing how terrified they were about it. But anyway, I took this test, and I was able to go to Berlin and everything, and had a wonderful time there. And of course, I, I got to visit other places around the world, and such as the Philippines and Korea. And it was interesting there, just the general idea about life in general, and of course, about how they felt about gay people and how, you know, they treated gays, let's say, in the military and everything. And I won't say they were better. I won't say they were worse. It was just very, very different. But what was the most interesting was my experience when I got stationed in Turkey. Now, in Turkey, I was on top of a mountain on a relay site in the middle of nowhere. There was about mm, 22 Americans, and then they also had about ooh, roughly eight Turkish you know, military there, and their main job was just more or less to protect us officially, but I, they admitted, the ones I was able to talk to, that yes, they were supposed to keep track of what we were doing or what we were bringing in or so on and so forth. I mean, they were, and uh, well, I learned a lot in, in Turkey as far as culture and being gay and everything. Now, uh, Turkey is, of course, a third world country. It's also a Muslim country, and uh, it was quite interesting. Being gay uh, was illegal in Turkey. I think the, the minimum, the very minimum 
time you could spend in prison was at least two years, but yet the interpretation was just absolutely fascinating. Now, first of all, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about the Turkish people. First of all, I have the utmost respect for the uh, Turkish military, and I appreciated the customs and the traditions that the Turkish people have. You have to remember that a lot of their laws, a lot of their customs, and so on and so forth, date back before the time of Christopher Columbus and everything. And one other thing that impressed me quite a bit is that every single Turkish person I ever came across, and it, this included rural areas where you know where they might they might not even have electricity or even a telephone and everything and they were very much aware of western customs and ideas and traditions and everything it's just that they choose to follow their own and everything and i was quite impressed with that of course what i actually wanted to say about that is okay i was on top of a mountain <laughs> at this site the nearest village i guess you could say was about two miles away and they didn't have any electricity or i didn't see any telephone lines going there and one time, I asked one of the Turkish workers what would happen if I went into that town. And they said, well, chances are real, real good the mayor of the town would want to come out and officially greet you to the town and everything. And you might be invited to dinner or something like this. And they were very excited, it seems like, uh, whenever an American showed up there. And I, I wasn't really up to... Um, shall we say, getting that kind of attention and everything. So, And most of the people that were there were shepherds. Now, some of the civilian workers at the site there, like, for instance, the building maintenance and the cooks and even the drivers, I think most of them were from that village. Some of them weren't. But after that, I think there were a few farms but about the nearest town to us was a good 50 miles away. It was at the bottom of the uh, mountain we were at, and it was actually a resort area right there on the beach and everything. And actually, all the Americans had gotten together and pulled their money together, and we had actually a, a very nice apartment right there on the beach. It was it was incredible. And uh, when we weren't on duty, when it was during the summertime, we'd head on down there and we had a place to sleep. And uh, that's all we, uh, we did. We just had beds there and we'd just sleep there. And it was interesting to be there to be on the beach and everything. And, you know, and then also there were a lot of people from different countries there that would be there during the summertime. You, a lot of Germans and not enough Dutch people, as far as I was concerned. And then they might have Italians and all that. And we'd all, it had a very much international flair to it. However, it was kind of funny there because like the Europeans there, I mean, they were, especially the men, they were, or the women, you might say, right there on the beach, they'd be wearing, you know, pretty skimpy outfits, you know, swimsuits and everything. So one time I went ahead and wore a Speedo. You know, didn't have the belly like I had now. I actually had a relatively nice body. And uh, <laughs> um, the local police contacted the Turkish military because they knew who I was and everything. And they actually waited out and told me not to wear anything so revealing and everything. So 
it, it was quite a, I mean, they were laughing about it and everything, that they didn't appreciate that. And I remember also we had a, uh, like a 10-speed bike there, and I decided just to go up and down the coast there on the bike. And I went to another town that was much larger than this um, resort, and I was wearing a shirt and shorts and everything. I thought it was okay. And then when I got to the center of town, there was a policeman, a Turkish policeman directing traffic. And when he turned around and saw me on the bike there, the whistle that was in his mouth just fell out. I mean, he just stood there with his mouth open, and I thought, oops, I guess we can't wear shorts here. <laughs> so they had kind of some interesting uh, laws and everything. And the reason why I bring that is like, okay, the Turkish men, especially in the military, you know, they usually on a regular Turkish base and everything, they usually had like a central bathhouse. It was actually a shower house, which was called a hammam. And all the men would shower together, except everybody had to wear a towel around him in the shower. I mean, as crowded as they would get in, no nudity whatsoever amongst men. And uh, it was kind of interesting because the Turkish soldiers that were with us, they lived in the same barracks as we did. And of course, they used the same latrine and all that. And here the Americans would come in, you know, just like you do in high school and all that. You'd be taking a shower and they weren't shy one bit about coming out of the shower, you know, without a towel on, you know, you'd dry yourself out. And some of the poor Turkish uh, soldiers and everything. Just, it was like, well, uh, they weren't offended or anything, but it was like, wow, this is exciting. <laughs> they just couldn't believe how, how uh, unabashed the uh, Americans were and everything. Though I did have to tell some of them it's not good to stare because that's one custom that you're staring at somebody and he's obviously naked and everything, you might find a problem there. As I said before, you know, homosexuality and everything was considered illegal in Turkey. And if you were convicted as such, uh, a minimum of at least uh, two years in prison and everything. But, of course, their interpretation was uh, quite uh, fascinating. To give you another example, like, let's say two men got into an argument and they got into a fight. And just like in America, okay, the... The guy that uh, was able to punch out the other guy, well, he was the victor. Well, it's kind of the same thing. But if the uh, loser was able to, he'd have to pull down his pants and get a ass pounding or something. And while it wasn't uh, typical, it wasn't considered that unusual and everything, or else the victor uh, might just grab the guy, you know, and just pull his pants down and off he goes and everything. And, 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 and yet they didn't consider it a homosexual uh, act and everything, even though he'd sodomized him and everything. And I'd heard about it, but I really didn't believe it until, of course, until I, d I did get to Turkey. And uh, when I was at the site there, I hung around with the Turkish soldiers and everything, and they seemed to really appreciate my uh, friendship and everything. And I learned a lot from them. But uh, one day, a, uh, another Turkish soldier came in. Now, he it was the equivalent about of a U.S. Army private. 
So he was real, real down there. But yet he outranked most of the other soldiers there. And it was his first time to come in contact with Americans. And he was just horrified that I was hanging around what were called the Oscars, the really, you know, the conscripts and everything. And whereas he was considered like a career soldier. And he just didn't like that one bit. And I remember one day I, I walked in the room there where the other Turkish soldiers were, and they were like, looked real worried and everything. And I said, well, what's up? You know, what's the problem? And they, of course, none of them spoke real good English. That doesn't sound so good either. Uh, well, only actually one of them spoke relatively good English, but he also spoke Italian. He had worked in Italy and everything. So, And uh, unlike most of his other cronies there, he actually made it through high school, and he even went and had got some college. And he and I were the best of friends and everything. And so he said, um, well, that new soldier there, um, uh, he told me what he said, and he says, well, we think he's going to try to take your manhood away and uh, you know i was just well they just couldn't understand while i was smiling i guess i think that was the problem you goes here they were trying to explain we have a problem here abby you know this guy wants to you know treat you like a woman or something and and i just was smiling there and all i could say is no problem abby no problem, you know, <laughs> I just kept saying that over and over. And they, I mean, at one point they offered to hide me and I said, no, no, I'm not going to hide, you know, it's okay, you know. So a few days later, we all collided in the hallway there, the uh, barracks where we all lived at and everything. And this particular soldier came over to me and he indicated that I should go with him, you know, he kind of pulled on, you know, and I pulled back and then I started pulling on him and I I knew just enough Turkish to tell him. Well, actually, I outranked him and that he should be coming with me to my quarters. And of course, he at first he acted like he didn't understand what I was saying. And then uh, I just reached behind him, grabbed him by one of the cheeks and started pulling him, you know, in my direction. And he, poor guy, he turned about three shades of white and just took off running. And of course, the other Turkish soldiers saw it and they all started laughing. And I mean, I felt a little bit sorry for him, but it was his own fault. I mean, he's the one that said he was going to teach me a lesson. And it turned out I was going to teach him a lesson and everything. And the Turkish soldiers told me that he stayed in the guard shack for three days. He <laughs> wouldn't come out and everything. And uh, the strange part about it was afterwards, uh, him and I actually became fairly good friends. I think after a while, he realized that I was just trying to keep things running smoothly and everything, because he also discovered that none of the other American military would talk to him and that, uh, you know, they were rather hostile toward him and everything. And he still indicated to me now and then that my place was next to him. As a matter of fact, um, uh, uh, he, he told the Turkish soldiers that whenever we were in a room, that he always got to sit to my right. <laughs> he got to sit at the place of honor, you know, next to because I outranked him and everything. And it, it was it was sort of funny because the Turkish soldiers, they kind of played along with it and everything because I usually was alone with them and that sort of thing. Boy, I, I think I could have gotten into a lot of trouble there. <laughs>
Uh, I still remember one time uh, one of the Turkish soldiers who was relatively very new, never been around Americans, and he was a little horrified when he found out what my rank was and everything. And then he, I guess he heard about my incident with the other guys. So I remember one time he started shaking and everything when I hear him and I just sort of, Abby, you know, it's okay. You know, I, I gave him a nice hug and everything. And it was like, mm. But I did pretend like I was looking around him, looking at his ass and going, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> You know, I have to tell you something. They never understood my humor or anything. Like, I remember one time they looked rather worried and everything. And I, I said, well, what's, what's up? You know, and they, uh, well, it was, turned out one of them wanted to introduce me to his sister. Well, I didn't really like that idea, but at the same time, it's like, okay, what's the problem? And he said, well, you can't marry her if you're uncircumcised. We were using an English-Turkish dictionary and everything, and, <laughs> and I was kind of, I mean, they were already planning marriage here and everything, and I indicated that that wasn't a problem either, and they were like, Really? Because they had heard just about all the Americans they saw were uncircumcised. And to them, that was that was actually kind of dirty and everything. And I said, well, if you want, you can, next time we're in the shower and everything, I won't uh, cover up with the towel when I step outside the shower curtain and everything. And oh, they believed me after that. But it was kind of funny because I walked up to the Turkish soldier that wanted me to meet his sister. And I kind of went, you wouldn't by any chance have a brother, would you? <laughs> And it was like, why do you want to meet the brother? And unfortunately, well, fortunately, the one that did speak English, he got the joke right away. <laughs> and he said, I have a brother, but he's married. <laughs> Poor guys and everything. But I had a lot of fun with them, and I, I miss my time there. I mean, I, I tried to come back, and the uh, military thought I was crazy and everything because it was extremely rare an American wanted to come back. I enjoyed my, my whole stay there, and I enjoyed the, the culture. I learned a lot, you know. And, you know, Turkey was also has a lot of biblical history, you know, from the New Testament and everything. And I didn't get to visit every place I wanted to go to, but I did a lot of exploring that even a lot of tourists don't see and that type of thing. And, oh, it's one of the places I wish I could go back to. For the many fans of Sergeant Ron, even though we have just concluded that five-part series, there is going to be a sixth installment that I'm putting together from scraps that I didn't use in the other shows, and that's going to be out during my sweeps period in August 2021 during the podcast awards voting. So... In eight months, I know it's a ways away, but in eight months, you're going to get another dose of Sergeant Ron. And meanwhile, if you have not heard it, listen back to his prison series when he was a prison guard. And that was a series called Officer Ron, Gay Prison Guard. Be sure to check those out. Meanwhile, once again, I will be back in just a couple days with an episode about Dick size, big, small, medium, extra large, teeny tiny, microscopic, and everything in between. And then I will be concluding the year. God, I hope it comes out 
somewhat decently, I'll be concluding the year with my ASMR episode, and that will be out on New Year's Eve. Meanwhile, this is Joey Hernandez. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week before we speak again. Bye for now.